0: My name is Stephen. I'm one of the pastors here.
1: I'm Sarah. And we're both pastors here. Um, today we're ending our hashtag with me series. Um, we're talking about all the relationships today. So, who here had, um, you know, expectations, hopes, uh, maybe some goals for their relationships in 2020?
0: I did. Mm-hmm. I did. We had a few, I think. Uh, but, you know, I feel like we should cue the laugh track when it comes to goals for 2020 because, mm-hmm. like, no way that we we've done what we thought we were going to do right you know I remember for us in our marriage we set it what we thought was a pretty easy goal get a babysitter once a month to do a date night well how's that going for us I
1: know I know that was at our anniversary in November and it just yep remember parenting Less screen time for the kids.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Who's actually gotten their kids to do less screen time during this year? I don't think any Mm -hmm. single person. Uh, You know, we set other goals like, you know, talking about, you know, spending time with friends, you know, having people over, doing Mm -hmm. game nights, stuff like that. That hasn't happened. But, you know, enough about our failed That's... goals for 2020. Uh You have failed goals, too. Maybe you're single and you were like, you know, I just I want to go on one date with somebody who actually looks like their profile pic on Hinge or wow. Coffee Meets Bagel. How's that going for you right now?
1: Oh, uh, students, maybe you wanted to get involved in some new extracurriculars, spend more time with your friends or just... Ace that AP test, uh, score a a winning goal in an actual real life game. Uh, None of our goals have been wrecked and and rocked by COVID nineteen, but. There is still some of 2020 left. It is the fall. We are approaching a new academic year. Uh, What we want to talk about today is kind of readjusting and altering some of our goals, spiritual goals, um, and seeing the good relationship stuff that God still has for us in 2020.
0: Yep. So let's try and set a goal for 2020. Here here's, you know, let's, let's see if we can come up with one. You know, I read a book or a quote from a book by a guy named Mike Todd. He's a pastor and an author. Uh, and His book was called Relationship Goals. Uh, and he said this, I've noticed that one of the key issues that hinders people from reaching their relationship goals is the fact that they don't know how to aim. So what are you aiming for in your relationships? As we look at the fall and the winter, what are you aiming for? What are you hoping for? What's realistic in the time that we live in? How about this for a goal for our relationships as followers of Jesus? That we be holy people, secure in a holy message, who are living it out as a holy family. Now if that sounds like too much holiness, don't turn the channel, don't turn me off yet. Uh, we're gonna get down to it and I think it's really practical and it, it hits home with how we can actually live life. Uh, but Sarah, what do you gotta say to us about all of this holiness?
1: All right, so. We're going to be in a Colossians chapter 3. So, St. Paul wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, and I think he's just got some great, great advice for us. If you want to read along, if you've got the Bible app at home, um, this is Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 21. Uh, let's pray as we turn our attention to uh, the Bible and see what God has for us in it. Mm-hmm. Let's pray. And Jesus, we give you our relationships. We give you uh, our our friendships, our our work relationships, family, all of that, Jesus. Uh, We ask that you would work first in us and then in uh, that bridge of relationships with other people, Jesus. We give ourselves to you now. We open our hearts and our minds to you, Jesus. We ask that you would meet us uh, in the scriptures this morning. Um, and would you make us more and more like Jesus this morning? Uh, would you make our relationships more and more godly, more and more holy? In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as we turn to this, maybe you've opened your Bible with me. Uh, it says, Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender hearted mercy, kindness, let the message about christ and all its richness fill your lives teach and counsel each other with all wisdom um, with all the wisdom he gives sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to god with thankful hearts and whatever you do or say do it all as a representative of the lord jesus christ giving thanks to him through god the father now wives submit to your husbands as is fitting To those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children, or they will become discouraged. Great words. Mm -hmm. So we're going to dig into this together this morning. You know, it starts out since God chose you. We are Jesus people. We we get to live the way Jesus did. Ah, uh, kindness is how we interact with each other. Humility is how we interact with ourselves. Uh, gentleness is our, our approach, how we live out that that kindness. Um, and patience is how that that continues, how we like live into this. And it's summarized in love. We love each other. God is love. God equals love, and so we love each other. Every, each other, strangers, family members. We've seen too much of uh, co-workers on Zoom, and when we live like this, we get to live in peace. If we don't, you know, we'll there'll be some conflict. You know, if if you treat your family demanding, do this, do that, instead of with kindness, like there'll be fights. You know, if um we minimize or don't listen open-handedly when when people say they've got this problem, they feel discriminated, this issue, right? Like they'll there'll be fights. Um if a coworker expresses a different opinion and and we respond with arrogance instead of with humility, they'll they'll be fights. When we live like how the Bible teaches us as to live, you know, it's just easier and better. It's like watching Mr. Rogers or the Dalai Lama have a fight. Don't blink, you, you'll, you'll miss it. Um, when we live with tenderhearted mercy and kindness and patience and humility, we will be at peace with, with each other. I think this is just God's heart for us that we're rooted in God's love and live in that place of God's love for us and for each other. And that's really what the whole message is about here
0: Mm -hmm. and when paul says in verse 16 that let the message about christ and all its richness fill your life what he's doing is he's talking about way at the beginning of this letter at the beginning of colossians he was writing to this church and he wrote this really beautiful uh poetic section about who jesus is so i want to read this uh 115 through 20 it says Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is over all of creation. For through him, God created everything. He made the things we can see and the things that we can't see. Uh, Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything and he holds all of creation together. And he is also the head of the church, which is his body. He's the beginning, so he is the first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. I know most of us know this, but I want to break down what it is that Paul just told us here, because I think it's really important. Paul just told us that Jesus is... God. Jesus wasn't like, he didn't begin in Mary's belly. Uh, and he, his life didn't start when he came out uh, in that manger on Christmas day. That wasn't actually his beginning. Jesus always has been. He was there before there was a was, uh, he's from the beginning. And in fact, he's not just older than dirt, but he created dirt. Uh, he is the one who has made everything that we know. Uh, He's the creator of things we don't know and things we do know, of things we don't see and things we do see. Jesus is the creator of everything. He made it all. And there's this cool phrase that Paul uses here. He says, he made it and it was made for him. Just let that sink in for a second. And he's the leader of the church, which means that my vote doesn't matter as much as I think that it does uh, because he's really the one who's in charge. Uh, So he's, he's in charge of the church. He is the creator. And Paul tells us here that God didn't just leave Jesus alone when he became a man, but that he lived in Jesus through Jesus, who was fully God and fully man. It's right there in verses 19 and 20 uh, that fully tells us that whole part of theology right there in those two verses. All of humanity, if they choose to accept it, have been reconciled to God. Now, what reconciled Mm -hmm. means is that we've been restored to favor. It means that Jesus has made peace with all of humanity through his death and subsequent resurrection from the dead so what's our message as a holy people our message is jesus that is our message that is what fills us that is what we live out of we are a holy people with a holy message of jesus and it's out of that that all of the rest starts to work
1: Mm -hmm. yep really good really good that's our foundation that's what yep we're all about and from there we live into this as people and families yep. um so then we move into this section um some verses of the specifics of how do we clothe ourselves in that tender heart mercy and kindness and gentleness and patience uh that he's talking about as followers uh, of jesus and i think as we go in and read these uh, this next section um, it's called a household Code a lot of the letters written to the early churches have household codes about how to you know live life together. Um, I think it's really important to read our own verses because their verses addressed to different people um, and I need to say like, is this talking to me? Is this my verse is this for me Is this addressed to, to, to me um, and uh, you'll sometimes parents will go around and you know we as parents can quote every single Kids, obey your parents first (laughs) in the whole Bible. You know, Ten Commandments, that's number five. Kids, obey your parents. Um, But, like, Stephen's not walking around quoting verses about, like, the, the wife. You know, if he was walking around talking, like, that'd be kind of inappropriate. He has his own verses. I have my own verses. And I think what we want to do this morning is to mind your own business, be worried about yourself, read your own verses, all the good advice that our parents gave us, because that's what frees us up to live in the peace and freedom of letting God work in me, doing the good work in me, and then faithfully trusting him to do good work in you, do good work in my kids, right? And I walk in that place of trust and freedom where I let God work in me um, and do that good work in me. So my verse... All right, so we're just told uh, what the message of God creates in us um, as we read this passage about you know who Jesus is. What's this one verse saying to me as a wife, um, wives? Submit to your husband's. Now, I don't think this is saying that you know I have to be a doormat, no opinions, no preferences. You know, elsewhere, this same author um, writes plenty in the Bible. The same author about men and women being one in, in Christ. He calls women his co-workers. Um, so I don't think he's contradicting the other things he wrote in the other places. He's he's a good author. The Bible doesn't you know contradict itself. I think what he's talking about is a wifely temptation to manipulation and control how many of us have heard it's um I mean, you might have heard this Stephen a little quote mm-hmm. um, that the man may be the head but the woman is the neck and she mm-hmm. can turn the head any way she wants you heard that Yep. oh people think it's cute and ah oh, what a cute little quote it ain't cute like that's not good that's manipulation and control and when it's not a healthy relationship Sometimes, you know, you you get some of that. Um, But that is not a good spiritual way to live. I am told, wife, submit to your husband. Now, it's not submit to your husband's authority, not submit to your husband's power, not submit to your husband's control or decision, but to him who he is um, every man made in the image of god as is every woman um to to who to let him be who he is um you know i can't frame arguments in a way that that makes me look good as much as i'm tempted to i can't you know invite other people's vote or opinion uh into uh, my marriage now stephen has been helpful to me in this because uh he doesn't play you know, if I try and arrange, like, oh look, gosh, I guess my parents are coming over. He's like, I'll go out. I mean, he like, you know, he's the kind of guy who you're like, let's let's do this thing. If I, you know, kind of trying to manipulate and control, he's like, I'll sit in the car. Um, I think the bigger temptation for me um, is to use like try and manipulate through like guilt, like around household show. Oh, I did so much instead of just asking openly and honestly for help um, to try and use you know, some of those guilt tactics, or something like that. Um, And that's not just me submitting who I am with my needs and, and wants and busyness or whatever, to who he is, to trusting him to be the good person that God has created him to be. And when I move into those places of openness and honesty, of submitting to just who he is as a person created in the image of God, that's maturity in me, and that's maturity in our relationship. So, enough about my verse. Stephen. What about your verse? Yeah,
0: uh, husbands love your wives and never treat them harshly. Uh, you know, back in Paul's day, uh, the Stoics—if you like philosophy—you know what you know who that group of people are. They said that the way that the world is is how it is, so you need to learn to live in harmony with it. And Paul said. Basically, no, you don't. He said, Jesus makes you truly human. And so you must learn to live life, not in self-assertion, but in self-giving. So when I hear these two verses, what is that saying to me? Uh, If I'm living life in self-giving, here's the practical application. Uh, Guys, stop being so obsessed about submission. In the church, we have become so obsessed over the way that these verses need to play out that we've missed the point of what Jesus is telling us on how he views our relationships. The goal is not for you to be in charge. The goal is not for you to make the decision on which car that you get to buy or which house that you move into. The goal is not for your self-esteem to be built up so that you can feel good about yourself. If that's your goal in marriage, guys, then you're missing it because that's not what Jesus wants us to be focused on. Here's Jesus's perspective on marriage and how a man should be in a marriage. Uh, Ephesians 5.25, listen to this. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. Here's the kicker. He gave up his life for her. Love your wives like Jesus loved us. Jesus died for us. That's serious, right? That's sacrifice. You are supposed to love your wives like Jesus. That implies sacrificing for them. And and N.T. Wright takes it to the next level when he looks at this passage and he wrote this about it. Husbands must avoid the temptations to become bitter or angry when his wife turns out to be, like him, a real human being, not merely the projection of his own hopes and fantasies. Ouch, right? <laughs> but I think that that is the 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 problem that we so often have with our spouses is that they they don't become what we always dreamed they would be when we were 15, and <laughs> now we're frustrated about it. Husbands, what is our goal as husbands? What, what, are we, what are we aiming towards, and how do we get to where we want to be? Well, our goal is to have mature, uh, deep, respectful, mutually loving, uh, sub- submitting to each other relationships, right? That has to be what it is. It has to be sacrificial and that's how we get there. We love sacrificially. We respect our wives. I let Sarah be who she is and don't try and make her something that she's not. And also I give her space, which I hope she gives to me, uh, same time to hopefully mature and change and develop Mm -hmm. and for Mm -hmm. our love for each other to mature and change and develop because as humans that's what happens right we are not the same people when we're 25 as we are when we're 50 and which means that our relationships have to grow give your wife space to be able to grow Mm -hmm. within that Uh, don't get so caught up in who's in charge but enough about the guys. Sarah, I know you said you were going to only talk about your own verses, but can you talk about the kid verse? <laughs> can you tell us what about what to do with that one?
1: Yeah. Um, great. So, you know, as we start this, I just want to say that like being a kid is hard. And sometimes parents will be like, oh, I wish it was when I was a kid. I didn't have bills to pay or whatever. But growing up is hard. You know, you change on awful lot. Like, if I personally changed like, as much as, you know, a kid did over a, a decade, like, that's a lot of change. You've um, got lots of expectations. Um, you've got, like, 10 bosses, teachers, coaches, parents, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, it is hard to be a kid, and it's hard to do it well. Um, so, let's take a look at this verse. Um, it says, kids, obey your parents, because they're always right nope it says kids obey your parents because this pleases your parents no obey your parents because it pleases God you know this is students teens uh, youth if I can speak to you for a minute this is your job right now and it will pay off you will be a better team player you'll be a better person because you've kind of like gone through this forming period Jesus was a kid He obeyed his parents, he listened to them, and honestly, he was uh, a better leader, he was more effective, you know. Would the disciples have followed Jesus? if, like he had never taken orders from anyone his (laughs) whole entire life. This is going to pay off for you. But it is not just between you and your parents, because it pleases the Lord. It's between, ultimately, you and God. And because it's between you and God, you know what? You need to not just be like, okay, mom, okay, dad, and then go begrudgingly to do it. You actually have to do it with love. So what does obeying your parents as pleases the Lord with love, what does that look like? You know, and I think what it looks like is doing it with some honesty and some openness. Um, Youth students, I think you guys have a lot more agency over your relationship with your parents than you think. I think you have a lot more mm. responsibility in informing that that relationship and working in that relationship mm. than most of you you think. Um, we, you guys, have a responsibility as kids to tell your parents what you're feeling, to tell your parents what you're going through, to talk, to communicate. A, responsibility to open up um, in some ways and that's going to bear real results in your relationship. You can change and impact your relationship with your parents. So I think about this even with you know my my six-year-old you know I'll tell her to go do something like go, go, go clean your room and uh, she'll say sometimes like okay but I'm really into, like, making this bracelet right now. Can I go clean my room later? And sometimes they'll be like, no, we have to leave. But sometimes they'll be like, sure, of course. You know, my boss doesn't tell me, Sarah, write this email. Like, right now. I know you're in the middle of lunch, but get up and go do it right now. You know, so she'll talk and communicate with me. And to me, that's obeying well and that's doing it as pleases the Lord with love and openness and honesty. As students... You need to obey your parents. It will pay off, but it's because it pleases the Lord. And that means you want to do it with openness and honesty and love.
0: That's good. That's good. So parents, we're going to throw it right back at us. <laughs> uh, fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Do not aggravate. This isn't talking about them getting mad at you. Uh, Kids get mad at their parents all the time for lots of different reasons, and sometimes you can't control it. There's not much you can do uh, about their emotions with certain things. This is about looking at yourself and saying, am I doing things that push their buttons? Am I minimizing their feelings? Am I criticizing them? Am I actually listening to them? And honestly, this is probably one of the hardest things for me to preach on right now uh, because I'm preaching to myself. Uh, this is uh, a growth area for me as a dad is this exact thing. So dads, let's take a moment. Let's acknowledge that we all have room to grow uh, and that in this moment, we're going to be honest with ourselves, with each other, and uh, allow the Holy Spirit space to work in our hearts. Okay, sound good? Uh, You know, I heard a story in this book called Families with Grace in Place where the author, Jeff, he takes his family, uh, four daughters, I think, uh, and his wife, and they, they went to a furniture store and uh they're in the furniture store and he looks out and all of a sudden he sees all the recliners with their with the uh backs down and the lakes kicking up in the air all over the place and it's like this wave going on over there and the salesperson looks at him like dude are you going to take care of your kids or you know are you going to let them just do whatever they want to do we all know how that feels right it's pretty it's not fun so he gets mad and he goes over there and he's like girls to the car, now, and so they all put their heads down, and you know, quietly walk out the, out the door to the car, he comes back out, they're driving home, he's still angry, and one of his daughters says, dad, can I ask a question, and he's getting ready to make some comments about, I don't know if you can ask a question, right, if you know, whatever, and and she just speaks, and she says, dad, how come when you're, when we're angry with you, you tell us to use our words, and yet, when you're angry with us you could just grab us and send us to the car and of course he was wrecked and you know just felt terrible about it i could use a lot of examples like this from my own life but it's much easier to use somebody else's story than it is to actually use my own but i think that we all struggle with this maybe not all of us but most of us struggle with this from time to time So fellow dads, are you living up to the relational and emotional standards you're setting for your kids? Are you creating a space where your kids can fail without worrying about losing love and affection? Are you creating spaces where you are really enjoying your kids? Or do you spend a lot of time worrying, uh, thinking about... Uh, How they're going to frustrate you or let you down or uh, make you angry or disappoint you? Are you focused on those things instead of just enjoying your kids? You know, I said a minute ago that we're having a communal moment of just saying we all mess up and we struggle with this. Let's also have a moment to commit to be encouragers. We can be speakers of life and hope to our kids. Are we willing to be intentional about that? And T. Wright said that the parents' duty is to live out the gospel to their kids, to assure them that they are loved and accepted and valued for who they are, not for who they ought to be, should have been, or might become. You know, honestly, Sarah, 2020 has been a terrible year for relationships for most of us. It just wrecked it. You know, we had to do and live in all the situations that we knew were going to be hard. And here we are in September. So what's our goal? It's to be holy people living in, living out a holy message as a holy family. And what's a practical step? Well, as we end, I want to be where Laura encouraged us to be, to be people who are filled with grace or as Paul says it, to make allowance for each other's faults.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so good, that's so good. I think like, you know, you do something that I don't like, then you know, I'm distant, then you're cold, then I, you know, those downward cycles. Or I mean, even upward cycles, you know, you just have to respond well, you know, upward cycle. Those are all, I mean, natural, normal ways of doing relationships. Um, tip for that, like the situation's good, so we're good. Gra- Grace is really what takes us to, you know, out of that, you know, judgment and, and punishment cycle and into a spiritual way of doing relationships that's so much better.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, this just has to be our goal for the rest of the year. You know, we're looking yeah. at the reality of what life's going to be like for the fall, and it's going to continue to be difficult relationally. Mm-hmm. We yeah. have messed up and we will messed up. We have yeah. needed grace and we're going to still need grace. so give grace to yourself and to others treat Mm -hmm. others the way that you want to you want to be treated how's how's that for novel right that's a new idea that you've never heard of i'm sure
1: Uh, grace sees the best in people sees the best in you sees the best in my kids and it's really i mean it's based off of not what you're doing right now It's based off of who God is and what God does. It trusts and believes. God sees my kids, my my coworkers made in the image of God. You know, it lives in that reality. It lives in that space and it brings us up um, to seeing and treating people like they're made in the image of God.
0: Mm -hmm. You know, we just can't live our lives, friends, waiting for somebody else to screw up. We can't live our lives so Mm -hmm. focused on where the next mistake is going to be. We have to live our lives rooted in these truths. Mm -hmm. Rooted in the goodness of God. Rooted in a lifestyle of forgiveness. Rooted in a lifestyle of grace. Mm -hmm. Our reality has to be the redeeming work of God through Jesus. Mm -hmm. That has to be our foundation. So Sarah, will you pray with us as we end just hope that God will give us grace to be able mm-hmm. to do this well in a difficult time.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. Well, friends, let's pray together. Let's invite God's grace in. Hmm. Jesus, uh, right now we do, we just want you to be the center, you to be the focus, not me, not how I've been wronged or disappointed. Uh, now how others you know have failed or, or let me down legitimate rights and wrongs jesus we want to be put in into the grace plane uh, of doing things jesus so right now we receive your grace over us your grace over my mistakes jesus your grace over my failures jesus and we believe in you that there are deep deep wells of love and grace it does not run out you have me covered Jesus you have my family covered you've got us Jesus we receive we rest in that this morning thank you Jesus thank you Jesus for your goodness and your mercy to us we get to live in that place right now we just want to reorient ourselves for any ways that we have lived in kind of that small space of, of what others do or don't do, that small space of, of shame and guilt and judgment, Jesus. Um, we just want to uh, knock those walls down right now in Jesus' name. We knock down those walls. and we, we open up to the light, the sunlight of who you are, your love, your truth, your goodness, speaking over our lives and over our families' lives. And right now, just together, um, we claim uh, that uh, this fall is going to be a fall of grace for us and our families. We receive your love. We speak it out. We live it out over our families. In Jesus' powerful name, amen.